Welcome to the Three Strands Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us. It is our hope and prayer that you will experience God's blessing in your life through our ministry. At Three Strands Church, our goal is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's always fun to, to come back and, you know, see some of my friends and where they've been and how God has used them. Um, I don't think you'll have a problem hearing me because I have a big mouth. And, uh, but uh, my name is Mike, so I don't really need a mic, but I'm going to use it anyway. But uh, it's always exciting to open up God's Word, and anytime I have an opportunity to do so, I just absolutely love it. I was blessed to have, uh, if I cry, that's because I'm a real man. I just want to clear the fry of that, all right? But uh, one of the things that... Uh, that really excited me when David invited me here is David and George are brothers that live one block away, and they were two of the boys that invited me to come to Awana. Well, I wasn't from a Christian family. And those two invited me to come to Awana, and I started going and going and going. For four years, I kept going to Awana. I loved it. Rode on the bus. Sometimes I'd ride with this family. And uh, from 8 to 12, that's what I did. I loved going to Awana. I was learning the scripture verses and everything. Then there was a point in my life when I turned 12 years old, I said, I'm ready. I want to give my life to Christ. And it was through them inviting me to Awana that I came to know Jesus Christ. I went on to full-time youth ministry, went to the same Bible college together, was Baptist Bible College. Stephanie went there as well. And um, Baptist Bible College up there. And... Uh, God wound up using me as a, uh, a church planner in the inner city of uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Now, that was an experience, urban ministry. That was something new to me. I mean, we grew up in a pretty big city, but uh, Scranton was a lot bigger. <laughs> you might know it for the movie, the show The Office or something like that. But um, Scranton was a big city. It was just a lot of different opportunities and stuff. And, and the, the seminary professor wound up, just asked me, hey, would you pray about becoming a youth pastor at this church plan we're doing? And I really prayed about it, and I said, hey, I'm ready. I, I, I just want to be used by God. And uh, from there, after we graduated from Bible college, wound up going off to Byesville, Ohio. I don't know if any of you know where that's at. But uh, down the interstate, um, two hours south of Cleveland, Ohio, one hour east of Columbus. And I uh, served there, a youth pastor there at that church for six years. Then after that, I wound up doing uh, four years as an Awana missionary. Anybody ever hear of the Awana ministry? Thank you, Gabby. All right. <laughs> Gabby's sort of a one. Our church has a one. But, uh, <laughs> but it was always exciting. It was always exciting to uh, be involved in those ministries and things like that. And uh, so God has just given me some unique experiences and some opportunities in, in life. And uh, right now I currently run a nonprofit organization called Parents United U.S. And um, we do parenting classes and things like that and work with parents and even divorce situations getting parents to work together so there's not this constant feuding amongst each other. And that's how God's used me. And uh, then he brought me down here to, is it Whiteley or Whitley? Okay, all right. <laughs> and I'm excited to be here this morning and open up God's Word. And uh, uh, we're going to be in James chapter 2 today. And it excites me to be able to open up God's Word. But, but uh, the very first thing I wanted to do is uh, I want to know, is that a little logo uh, on the screen back there? The logo? Okay, all right, we'll forgive them. Who can tell me who they think one of the most prominent logos that's out there in the United States today? What's that? 
Nike. Nike is one of the most prominent logos. It's been around forever. And when you see the, the little swish by Nike, what's the very first thing you think of? Well, thank you. That's true. <laughs> Three words for really fit people. <laughs> Just do it. That's the title of the message today. Just do it. Nike was very well known for that slogan. Nike became very popular. That logo still exists. That truly was a marketing success for them. And the reality is, is this. That's what thrusted their motto. Well, today we're going to talk about just doing it. And James chapter 2 is where we'll be this morning. I'd like to read the scripture and then we'll break it down, okay? James chapter 2, verses 22. <clears throat> Excuse me. James chapter 2, verses 22. And uh, we'll go up to about 27. I'm on the wrong page, am I? All right, James chapter 2. I lied to you. James chapter 1. All right. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently on his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, brings no, brings no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts. He will be pleased in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not defile his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their afflictions, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Our dear most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it is sharp. It pierces our joints, our bones. Lord, your word convicts. My prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would allow me to use your words to be able to minister to the folks that are here today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help each and every single one of us to not just be hearers only, but Lord, that we would become doers of what we have heard. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, just help us to be attentive to your word this morning and give you all the honor and glory for who you are and what you will do. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about two, two things. Uh, two ways that many of us may be self-deceived. See, the idea is, is there are a lot of us out there who maybe come to church. You guys are here at church this morning. And sometimes there are people out there who merely think that the hearing of the Word of God is good enough. It's just good enough for me to come to Sunday morning service and just to attend. You see, that's one example of us deceiving ourselves. You know what? Satan would love nothing more than for you to believe that's all you need. All you need is just one time to open up God's word or to come see the scripture on the screen and learn God's word for the week. And you're done. Isn't that what he wants? Absolutely. That's what he wants, but that's not what God wants. The first thing is we are, we're commanded to be more than casual listeners of God's word. Look at verse 22. In verse 22, he makes it clear. He says, but be doers of the words of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We truly are deceiving ourselves if we truly think that just hearing God's word is enough. It's not enough. God's word is full of, of, of commands and instructions because he wants us to live a successful Christian life. So when, he look, when we look at this passage and he says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers, 
It's just like Nike. Just do it. Don't come on Sunday morning and hear God's word and let it go in your ear and let it go out the other side. That's not it. God desires for you to take and look at his word. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. And to take that word and apply it to our lives. And then go out and do the Great Commission. You know, this church will grow if we do God's word. That's it. I see a lot of churches, as an Awana missionary, there was a lot of churches that would quit our Awana ministry. Why? One of the things was the doors started closing. People were just coming and they were going through the habits of just coming and listening to service, but they weren't getting involved in ministry. God has gifted. This morning I saw everybody set up. There are people that are gifted at sound. There are people that are gifted at singing. I'm neither one. Okay? <laughs> but God has different people in this room that have different abilities. Some of you would say, you know what? I love children. I would love to help out with children's ministry or something like that. And as your church continues to grow, God is going to give more and more opportunities for you to be involved in ministry. Don't just come sit there and be satisfied with what you're hearing. Do it. The second thing in that area is unless the hearer responds with the appropriate deeds, he's deceiving himself. He fools only himself. See, one of the things I learned when I was younger, there's scripture in, in, in Awana, we talked about it all the time, faith without works is dead. Now faith isn't what saves you. You don't get to heaven because you do good things. You don't get to heaven because you do good works. You get to heaven because you have a relationship with God. And because you have a relationship with God, what do you do? Works. You do things for God. That's called ministry. That's called being a servant. And that's what truly God desires for every single one of us. See, once we accept Christ as our Savior, we have a testimony. We have a testimony. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, he desires for us to fulfill that great commission. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he makes it clear. It says, go ye therefore and baptize the nations. Baptize everybody. You start right here in your county. I won't even try and pronounce it because I know I'll say it wrong. All right? You start in your county. You start in your town, your county, your state, across seas. You're sending somebody across seas. That's what it's about. But it starts right here. This is the local church. This is, this is what God designed. God desired in Acts chapter 2 for the church to, be come, to come together. And some people, I see it all the time, I hear it all the time. Well, you know, Pastor Mike, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Right? Well, that's true. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. But you know what God says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 and 26? He says, do not forsake the assemblings of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. And then my translation, get your hiding in church. That's what it is. That's what God desires. Because this is where the one another's that David and I were talking, Pastor David and I were talking about last night. The one another's, there's, there's numerous, 40, how many, 42? 49, 49 one another's in, in the New Testament. That's what we're called to be. Love one another, carry one another's burdens, forgive one another, the list goes on, serve one another. And every single one of us are called to do these things. Not just to come in here and be content with the way things are, but to actually get involved and do things. So if you're a person here that you think, well, you know, I come to church, I hear God's word, that's enough for me. That's not what God's word says. God's word says, don't be just a casual listener. Get involved. 
do ministry. Second thing, I want to look at some illustrations here in verses 23 to 25. This is interesting. And I remember breaking this down and trying to figure out exactly why it said certain things the way it did. Okay? Let's take a look at that. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he looked like. The first thing here, the hearer is only pictured in verses 23 and 24. But it says that it's a man. Why do you think it says a man? Now, I know times have changed, but in this particular, it says it's a man, not a woman, who is looking in the mirror. Why is this? Because most men, most men, we don't spend a lot of time on ourselves, okay? I know for me, I don't do much to my hair in the morning, okay? I might shave, and then I'm out the door. Well, I must stick some deodorant on, too. My wife appreciates that. All right? So does everyone I work with. That's about it. We don't spend a lot of time on ourselves. Now, the ladies, on the other hand, they're in there. They're doing their makeup. They make themselves look pretty, all right? And they wind up taking their time. So when you look at this particular scripture passage, it says, don't be like this man who walks away and totally forgets what he hears, all right? He looks in the mirror and forgets. We want you to be the kind of person that remembers what you hear, that intently breaks into God's word, that digs into that scripture, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The Bible's clear that we all need to be fed. All right? God's word is our food. God's word is what helps us to, phys- to spiritually mature. All right? To spiritually grow. So, we see this, this man here. Don't be like a man who looks in the mirror and just forgets what he sees as soon as he leaves. All right? The second thing, it says he departs, and this results in immediate forgetfulness of what the mirror revealed. This is a man who hears the word of God and does not do it. That's your example right there. This is a man of, word, this is a man of God, or a man that looks at the word of God and just forgets it. He doesn't do it. I don't know your hearts. I don't know any of your hearts. Well, I know David and Stephanie, but, <laughs> but I don't even know their hearts. But what I can tell you is God knows your heart. And perhaps you're sitting here today, and the Holy Spirit's talking to you. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I'm ready to take you from this place to that place. Recently, I left one of my churches, and I wound up going to a new church. And it's taken us a while to become members there. And part of it was that I've been so busy with ministry that I felt like I needed to just, Lord, I just needed a break. You know, you get so overwhelmed, you get so burned out. Sometimes that's why your pastor needs you guys. That's why you need to be involved in ministry. Because I can tell you, there were times when I was a youth pastor where I was doing it all. Let me tell you, it causes burnout. And you get exhausted and tired. It's important to have other believers there who are going to get involved in ministry. So my point with that is, as you guys continue to grow, and as you continue to to, to challenge yourself to not just be a, a, a hearer of God's word, but a doer, things begin to change. Not only your life, but your church's life. It's like a chain reaction. As you grow, others grow. Because as you're growing spiritually, and you get to a point where you are actually doing God's word rather than just hearing God's word, then you have a passion. You have a passion for the lost, and you desire to see them come to know Christ. I don't know about you, but I've got family and friends who don't know Christ. 
and it tears me apart. I just buried my mom, and I had to pull the tubes on her. It was really hard. Just like two years ago. She's 60 years old. But you know what? I knew my mom knew Jesus Christ. I remember she went to the living Christmas tree, and she wound up accepting Jesus Christ that, that, that year. And she went down forward, and I went down forward, and I bawled like a baby. Excited to see my mom make, make a change in her life and say she wanted Jesus Christ. It was exciting. And all I kept praying was that I would continue to be a model to my brothers and sisters. Now my brother's involved in ministry. He's involved with, you know, music and things like that at his church and things. And all it takes is for one of us to sit there and have faith. And the reason I came to know Christ was because of your pastor. I mean, he, he didn't lead me to Christ, but he invited me. He invited me. Because Awana was one of those ministries where they said, hey, let's invite your friends to Awana. Let's invite them to Awana so they can hear the gospel and they can accept Christ. Well, guess what? Pastor David did that. And because of Pastor David and George, his brother, and his mother, that's how I came to know Christ. Because God used somebody by somebody who actually said, you know what? I'm going to invite somebody to Awana. I'm going to invite somebody to church. And I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray that they accept Christ. Now, David will tell you that I probably would have never, he, I don't think he would have thought I would have been a youth pastor, nor would I have thought you'd been a pastor, uh, <laughs> when we were younger. would have never thought that. When I look at my life and everything I had been through and all the obstacles and trials in my life, I'm like, hey, no way God can use me. It's just not going to happen. But God allows these broken people to be used for him. And maybe you're here today, and you're thinking, <laughs> ain't no way God can do anything with me. I can't do anything for God, period, because I've been through so much. You have no idea. I do. I do. I've, I've been there. I was like a modern-day Job, living, in a, living on a mattress in a garage at one point. After my years of ministry, it was tough. And I kept saying, God, why are you doing this? The whole thing I kept holding on to was that I couldn't trust myself. I need to trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Lean not onto your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge yourself. Right? Acknowledge yourself, right? No. Acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. I got to a point I said, All right, Lord, I give up. <laughs> let go and let God. I've got to let you take control. And when I did that, I began to see God use me again in different ways. After being so broken that I thought, ain't no way God can use me. But when you submit, when you trust, God will use you. There's a thing that I taught teenagers several years ago. And uh, at first my pastor was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I taught him three things. In order for you to be a successful Christian, in order for you to do the Christian life, there's three things that have to be true. You gotta trust God. Hold on, let me do this. You gotta be honest with God. You gotta be honest with your others, with others. But you know what the number one one was? That was two and three. Yourself. You see, here's the reality: you can't be honest with God if you can't be honest with yourself. You need to look inside yourself. First Corinthians talks about it. We need to examine. Oftentimes in communion, we use this scripture passage, but we ought to be examining ourselves every day. Not just when we take communion. 
examine ourselves and see where we need to change, how our lives can be different. And my prayer this morning is, is that God would help you to realize we ought to be people that aren't just going to come to church and sit here, but we're going to be people that are going to say, God, I want to do your word. I want to live your word. I want to proclaim your word. And I want to be used by you. In verse 25, we see the doer is described, and he's called blessed. You look at this particular verse, and it says, he looks intently into, the, into God's truth. My picture here is like, this is like a, a man who has a magnifying glass. He takes that magnifying glass, and he looks very carefully, looking for anything that he possibly can see. He stoops, he gets real close, he dissects it to try and break it down and to find out exactly what God is trying to teach him. This is, this is that verse. He looks intently into God's truths, and he continues to do so. Let me, let me read a scripture passage to you in Psalm chapter 1. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, but sits in the seat of nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates on it day and night. You know, when I was a pastor, just to be brutally honest with you, God's word was like 24-7 for me. That was all I did. I, I mean, I sat at my office desk. I mean, obviously I worked with teenagers and things. But I was there at my office desk. I was doing ministry. I was in God's word every single day, every single morning. But you know what, when I, when I wound up not in full-time ministry, then, oh, i got to get up early. i got to get out, out to work. You know, sometimes I was just so tired and exhausted. And the three-year-old kept you up until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning because they took a nap in the afternoon. You're just exhausted. And then we wind up forgetting God's Word. And I can tell you that the times that I'm in God's Word, those times are whenever I feel like, Satan, bring it on. you got nothing on me, man. Why? Because I've got the shield. All right? I've got God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You can shoot at me all you want, but guess what? I've got God. He's going to help me overcome you. But then there's days that I didn't get into God's word. I call those my grumpy days. I was frustrated. I was discouraged. I'd let the littlest thing annoy me. You ever been there? But the times that we're in God's word, that reassures us who he is to us. And what he does for us. I heard recently, I heard, I heard, I heard, uh, it was on the radio. And, uh, you know, a little boy said, oh, this is a horrible day. And the dad said to him, he's like, how can it be a horrible day? This is the day that the Lord has made. You ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Are you breathing this morning? Are you breathing this morning? I'm seeing some, I'm some, some of you I'm a little worried about. All right. <laughs> The reality is you're here and you're breathing this morning. God's got a purpose for you. God has a purpose and a design for your life. And you might sit here and think, well, I just, I'm not sure how he's going to use me. Well, the first thing you need to do is be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and say, you know what, God? There are things in my life that I need to change. There's things in my life that I need to get rid of. I need to cast aside. Maybe there's other priorities that are taking priorities. Like David said, I want to... It was a ministry I loved. I mean, I just love going to one. I love going to church, you know, things like that as a kid. I would even leave track practice early because I wanted to be there. 
I wanted to learn God's word. I wanted to memorize those scriptures. All right? And sometimes we allow so many other things become priorities. Fathers might be our jobs. Yeah, we got to provide for our families. And that's great. We need to provide for our families. We need to be there to provide their, you know, the material things of this world, their needs, physical needs. But the thing that killed me the most as a youth pastor is whenever I saw those physical needs or those physical desires and physical wants becoming more important than those spiritual needs. It broke my heart. To see parents sit there and say, well, we, we would come to Wana, but uh, we're going to be on football this year, and we're not going to be able to attend Wana all season long. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, Lord, is it not important? Is your word not important? Let me continue on here. I'm coming close to the end. Second thing is this. You may imagine that the doing of religious things is sufficient. In verses 26 and verse 27, it says this. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue and deceives, but deceives his heart, this man's religion is worthless. When we look at this, this scripture passage here, true faith is not mere religiosity. The word religious here refers to the observing externals of worship. That's the doing of fasting, of singing, of teaching, of fellowshipping. It's not that this, pan, this man is religious by character. This is referring to everything that he does to try and make himself look like a Christian. Is that you? Are you just going through the motions? There's a song out there, and I'm trying to remember the singer. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to live a lukewarm life. Religious activity is no substitute for a deeper spiritual commitment with Jesus Christ, which may be reflected oftentimes by our tongue. Our tongue gets in the way. True religion involves the doing of godly conduct and pursuing a godly character. What a Christian called to be, care for the widows, the orphans, that's godly conduct. To keep control from being polluted by the world's influence, that's godly character. That's our scripture passage for today. Which leads me to leave you with four lessons that we've learned. Number one, God does not just want you to be a hearer. God desires for you to be a doer. Number two, we need to seek to understand God's word and to seek changes in our life. But in order for us to seek those changes, in order for us to seek God's word, We've got to be more than just a hearer. The third thing, God promises blessings to those who do his will. God never promised it would be easy. He says, hey, you're going to come into diverse temptations and trials. There's going to be, there's going to be persecutions. It's going to come. Man, it, it breaks my heart, but yet at the same time makes me think, all the times that people made fun of me for standing up for Christ, call me a Bible banger or something stupid like that, don't even come close to people overseas. If you've never read Voice of the Martyrs, it's a magazine. They also have an online, you know, online thing. This talks about people that are being persecuted for Christ 
every day. Folks, we in America, we don't understand what true persecution is for Christ. Those people do. They're dying for their faith because they love God. They would die for God just like he died for them. God sent Jesus Christ to die for you. If you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, that's the first step you got to do. But if you're a believer and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this message is for you. Be a doer, not just a hearer. Seek to understand God's word. Change your life. God promises blessings to you. And the last thing is this, simply put, just do it. Get out there and do what God has called you to do. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just thank you so much once again for the opportunity of opening your word. Lord, these are my words, because you know my words are worthless. But Lord, these are your words from, from, from your scripture. Your scripture is given by you. It's God-breathed. You used people to write this book, Lord, so that they could proclaim your message. Lord, I think of a person like Saul. Saul hated Christians. Saul hated everything Christians did. But look what God did. God took Saul and turned him into Paul. And Paul ministered to so many people. Paul got to a point in his life where he said, I accept Christ. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to proclaim his message. And I'm just going to do it. Lord, thank you for the life of Paul. Thank you for the life of David in, in, in the scriptures, Lord. Man, his life was messed up too, but God used him. Father, I pray that there's somebody in this room who's sitting here saying, God can't use me. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just work on their hearts and lives and help them to realize they need to put their trust and their faith in you. Just do it. Live God's standards. Live God's principles. And God will use you in great and mighty ways. In your name we pray.